You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 67. Episode 67. So... Me or Tyler are not real big tournament guys. Uh, I'd say I play more tournaments than you, maybe, right, Tyler? I mean, that's a very easy thing to do. Okay, then <laughs> I am. I guess I'm the tournament guy, and I have not been playing many tournaments. Uh, so, but we are both fresh off of the tournament over at Doghouse. Uh, just kind of a cheap, have fun daily. Uh, it was a 1.5k guarantee. I mean, nothing crazy. So it was a. Uh, I did like how deep it was, though, if you bought him for the maximum or near the maximum. It was a pretty good, um, it seemed like a better structured tournament than most free, like, I mean, we say free, but low buy-in tournaments, right? Uh, yeah, I will say, well, I would say in Texas, you actually can play a lot on your money. Like, I remember when I, the first time I went to Vegas, the very first time, and I was like, I wonder if they have a couple poker tournaments going on today. And you bring up the list, you're like, oh, God, there's like 80. I, I've never been there before. and uh, But the lower buy-in ones, I mean, you were very short-stacked, very high-rake, and uh, you just, there wasn't that much play because it would be like the $45, $60 ones. That you might get an hour or two out of the play. Uh, yeah, you're right. These are very, are, I mean, for the amount of money, just very deep. Right. I mean, I was pretty happy about that. Um, I guess I'll get into a few of the interesting loose on Well, I had, some, well, I had at least one interesting one hand for sure. But um, my first notable hand, I had Ace-10 offsuit. And man, when everyone on the table is limping, it is so hard. Like, Because I had Ace-10 offsuit in the big. And normally I would raise, but the whole table limped. What do you think about that? I think this is very tough. And I mean, in a tournament, I mean, here's the problem I have is I kind of want it. I think I'm raising here. I mean, if there's no ace king is going to raise, ace queen is going to raise, and ace jack is going to raise, which means you pretty much have the for sure biggest biggest ace here. I just like if I'm going to limp, I want something with higher implied odds like a low suited ace or like a five seven suited or pocket threes this is one that is gonna play real well against few people but not real well against multiple people i kind of like the raise all right well i guess we'll start this with my first mistake of the tournament uh, <laughs> <laughs> i complete and i flop a gutter to the queen so i was like wow this isn't great so it checks around. Some guy bets like one eighth pot or something. So I was like, whatever. I call. I call. I brick. No, I didn't call. Some other guy raised. I was like, well, the dream is dead. So I folded. <laughs> and then um, the other guy called. I would have bricked the turn. Then they went like 7,000, which was gigantic for earlier in the tournament. Other guy calls. I would have rivered the queen. The guy flopped king jack for two top two. Oh, I was wow. like, man, would have been great just to make a horrible call one time. 
Oh, God, yeah. And we've all had that moment a time or two. <laughs> um, This was a kind of interesting one, too, though. So I had... I was in the big blind for sure again. I had a really weird... No, I wasn't in the big blind. I was, like, in late position with ace five suited of spades. Okay. It limps around. I just complete the limp because... I don't know. I don't. I did not think many people would be folding in this, and I like like we had just talked about earlier. I wanted to see it multi way, right? Um, the flop comes king five like seven with one spade, and I was like, well, that's not the worst worst, I guess. Right, and tell tells what you have again. Ace five, so bottom pair with a backdoor spade draw. Okay, it checks around, so I was like, okay, cool. The turn is a king. So I was like, well, I mean, doesn't change all that much, right? Uh, For me. I mean, I was like, okay, you yeah, know, I mean, I'm not betting is more what yeah, I Yeah, I mean, you're basically, draw- you feel, feel like you're drawing here. So kind of like it doesn't change that much. It wasn't the king of spades, though. I mean, it was just a king. Okay. So I was kind of done with the hand. It checks around again. Okay. The river's a five. Oh, wow. Nice. Oh, sorry. The flop was king, ten, five, turn, a king, River of five. So you rivered a boat, not traps. Correct. Okay. So someone leads out for small. I call. Person behind me raises. She then re-raises. So I was like, wow. This is annoying. So, I mean, she re-raises all in. I mean. I mean... This is super weird because the way this is played. So the flop was check three. Yep. The turn the was turn checked through. The turn king was checked three. With eight people in the hand. Yep. And now there's a bet. You call a raise. And then the original better goes all in. What'd you do? I honestly don't know what I'd do here. I mean. I folded. Um, the other guy calls, he has like, um, King queen. She had King 10 for a bigger boat. I just, she flopped two pair turned Kings full of tens. He rivered Kings full of fives. This is a really good fold by you. I mean, I guess the one thing that saved that really saved you was there two being two people in the hand because, I will say if there's if it's played this way and there's one person, I think all my chips are going in, right? Uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So, God, I mean, how weird to pl- for two people to play this play the king this way? Yeah. So I mean, in these free roll tournaments, I mean that's kind. Of, I mean not these free rolls, but these kind of low yeah. buy in tournaments. I feel like that's what you're just getting a lot. Yep. Exactly. Um. So that was relatively interesting. Um, well, no, that was interesting. But I'm trying to think, I had that one, the gutter that I missed or that I folded, um, and then this is the one that I mean, basically just took me out of the tournament. Um, I have pocket kings. The I raised to five thousand. The blinds were. What was it? Oh, I three bit to five thousand. That's what it was. Someone already raised to like two, or no, maybe like one point five. Sorry, one point five. 
Okay. I raised 5000 Another guy shoves all in for oh, a lot more. This is great for you. A different guy throws a chip in, but the dealer's like, well, that's a call. And he's like, it's a call? He's like, I was trying to call the 5000 So he, he calls accidentally. Okay. Then this next guy had done the same thing. So then he calls accidentally. I mean, if we don't win these tournament, these people are going to think we are moron. <laughs> I mean, this is now two people who called huge bets accidentally. No, 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 not huge bets. All in. Yeah. Completely. I mean, covered them. And they, you know, they didn't buy in for the minimum. Okay, go on. So I'm all in. So now we're now seeing this four ways. Um, it's pocket kings versus pocket nines versus ace nine versus pocket deuces. I mean, which, like, when this first happens, when somebody goes all in over you, I mean, you're thinking this is the best thing in the world. And now, like, this is kind of a disaster now that it's four ways to the flop. I mean, it's still positive EV, but you're probably losing here more than you're winning, right? For sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, the flop comes, uh, the ace nine was of hearts, so the flop comes two hearts. Um, the turn is an offsuit ace. The river is a deuce. God damn. <laughs> yeah. So the guy with the deuces wins. Of course. <laughs> Poker. It's a skill game. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that just took, I mean, basically all my chips. So then like a few, like maybe a level or two later, I'm down to about eight big blinds. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I know, I think you're going to hate this, but I had seven, eight of spades in the big. So I had to do my blind, my ante on top of that. The whole table limps. I can double up here if I go all in and get it through. Right. I did it. I went all in for, you know, eight or nine big blinds. Everyone folds but one person. I get it heads up. Um, I guess you want to tell me what you think of that before you hear the run out? I mean, I don't know. It's hard for me to fall. When you when you're sitting with only eight big blinds, it's and I mean, we're not talking about like you're about to cash or something. Yeah, it's not even I mean, we're talking super early stage in the tournament. When you're sitting there and you just got kings, you oh, know, sorry, like, I had kings cracked right before this too with an ace high flop. I got kings twice. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like you you get kings cracked twice. One for a huge pot, and you're sitting with eight big blinds in the very early stages of the tournament. I mean, you're going to have to take a risk. I mean, I don't know if it's super optimal, but I mean, like, I mean, you definitely can't wait around for aces. I mean, it's going to take a lot. So, I don't hate it. I mean, I could see myself doing the same thing in this situation. Um, so I, um, I'm up against queen deuce off or queen deuce suited. Okay. Uh, flop is a deuce with two spades. So I'm on my flush draw brick turn deuce river for him getting trips. So, Oh wow. Yeah. That was all she wrote for me. And then I was out the door. God. <laughs> uh, what are, I'm going to, so the, I started out this tournament on complete fire the I end up with eight nine suited. It's raised eight nine of spades, and the one of the dealers we know he raises it to 
not the dealer a uh, dealer playing in the tournament, not dealing the tournament. I was about to say, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> he raises to I forget what he raised, but he raised I call, and you know, in these free tournaments, like it's just everything's multi way. So how early in the tournament is this going to be your first hand? This is not my mm, probably my first hand that I'm going over. It's very early, super early. Okay. Uh, I so the flop comes pretty awesome. It comes six seven. No wait, was it eight nine? Yeah, it, it had to be six seven. Uh, I think like queen or king or something. Uh, there are two. There is a flush draw that I don't have. Uh, but I flop open ended. He bets. I'm like, well, I don't love that a fl- there's gonna be a flush. There could be a flush if I hit, but I feel like way too weak to fold on. You know, when I hit this open ended flush draw on the uh, flop, I call the uh, one more one other person calls. The turn binks me completely, giving me the nuts. It goes check check to me. I bet about half pot. The lady who's pretty new to the poker calls, he folds. In these spots, because you hit your nut straight, correct? Right. When you hit the nut straight, I like betting so big here. I mean, I feel like so many people don't see it coming. And the flush draw is never folding. And I also feel like the two pairs is unbelieving. I always like when I hit a straight, just betting so big. Because it seems to just always get paid off. I guess. Well, I don't think anybody was as strong as two pair here. Uh, well, no, just in general. Just I always feel like people don't see it at one, three stakes kind of thing. Yeah, it, that's probably true. I could definitely probably go for a little value heavy. I was trying to keep people in the pot. Uh, she calls. He folds. The river changes nothing. No, it, I'm sorry. It did change something. It made it to where the eight was a one card straight. So I no longer had the nuts, but I mean, I have basically the effect of nuts, the way this is played out. She checks, I bet 10,000, which is like a little under half pot, and she folds. Uh, that was a pretty nice start to the tournament. Uh, had another one where pocket kings, I bet, I raise, same lady, get called, and... It's like a real connected flop. It's like six, seven, nine or something. I don't love it. And then she leads out. Oh God! She's you said she's like new to poker. Yeah, I do hate this. So I call. I don't raise, but I'm never folding. I, uh, I consider raising, but I'm never folding here. But I just make the call. I'm like inflating this weird on this the pot on this weird flop seems like a bad idea. Uh. The turn connects it even more. She bets again. But, I mean, it's 5,000 into, like, 15. Like, she's one of those that really doesn't understand bet sizing. Which makes it kind of tough because I don't, like, these small bets could be just because she looks at it like big chips. It doesn't necessarily mean she's completely weak. Uh, I just call the third one, the th- river. It's now, like, 10, 9, Seven five three. I mean, it like the there's not a face card on there, and I'm like God Almighty. And she bets, but it's super small again. I call and she like flopped top here with a ten. 
and just bet it all the way down. So that was uh, nice. Uh, so I'm rolling along, and this is going to be a hand that I think <laughs> you like how I played, but eh, it's, a, it's suspect. <laughs> uh, again, somehow I'm in there with 8-9 suited. Uh, it's a raise. I call. The flop is 10-9 and with a, with a club. I so I flop a gutter, and it uh, the guy bets, but it is very small. I'm like, can I peel one to see if I hit this gutter, and then maybe turn a flush draw, or maybe turn a flush draw as well. Well, so I do. It goes heads up. He uh, the turn is a queen, so it's now queen queen jack. Three. Uh, I check it. He checks it. The river's a blank. Now he now uh, he would never check the queen on the turn, well, especially with a flush draw out there. I think two with flush draws out there at that point. Uh, so I'm sitting here with nine high, knowing that the best he can ever have is like a weak pair. I bet. Like twenty five thousand, which is a huge amount. It's like a pot sized bet, and it's a pretty big bet in this at this game at this point. I mean, he snaps it so quickly. I mean, I, I think he his chips got in there before I did. I mean, I just I mean, I'm like nine high, and he had he had the jack and just never considered. And I was that's when I texted you. I'm like, need to probably stop bluffing in these tournaments because these, I mean, they are just people aren't folding here. I mean, that's how I folded the pocket kings. The other hand, I didn't get into with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I three bet them. Flop comes ace high. I get donked into and called. And I was like, wow. I guess I just fold. I mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she had ace queen. The other guy had like ace nine. Yeah. It's a, so it was a, I don't know. Like, I didn't think it was a bad bluff. But maybe a bad bluff given the player type. That seems to always be our story when we get called. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> seems like it, right? Yeah. It's, uh, so we did, we had that, I went through that hand. Uh, oh, I had a huge one where I got Ace King suited in. It was like a four way all in. I think I saw this. I think it was huge. It was the, the owner was the other big stack. And I flop, I have Ace King of Spades, flop the flush draw. There's two other all-ins, and then it's me and him. I'm like, well, there's really no reason to bet. If I bet him out, it doesn't really help me out. Because, I, I mean, either I'm going to hit this flush draw or not. It's uh, So it goes check, check. And I think it helped me, because I think it disguised the flush draw, too. Uh, I hit the flush on the turn. I bet he goes all-in. I obviously snap call. There is a boat out there, but if I lose with ace-high flush draw to a boat, not my day to win. Uh. And I'm good. I scoop a gigantic pot that gave me a huge lead at the table. Yeah, I saw. I saw you bring that uh, pot in. So it was a. So that was a really nice start to the the tournament. Uh, that's where it ends. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and as tournaments do, I go like an hour without getting a hand. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other like crazy hands. I think I just go card dead, and I, I mean it's a couple missed flops, 
you know, with I mean, as the blinds increase, you miss flops, you don't get hands, and then I was about average stack. I will say the player level at this tournament is very, very low because I, I realized I was getting very short stacked. A lot of people did not realize. I ended up having to make a move with like eight big blinds with a... I shoved queen nine of hearts. Uh, not the worst. I mean, it's eight big blinds. You're going to have to take a risk somewhere. So I get snap called by aces. <laughs> oh, so, that's where that went. Uh, so that was it. Was good. I mean, I thought the tournament was a lot of fun. But I want to ask you something as far as uh, this goes. I was looking at a video by Bart, and I think it was like two or three years ago. But this guy calls into his show, and he's like, "Well, I don't have a hand for you. I got a question." And he's like, "I want to be. I want to play poker, and I want to build a bankroll." but I like to only do tournaments. How do I build a bankroll through these daily tournaments? And as me and you've commented several times before on this podcast, you really can't. The rake is just too high on these daily tournaments. Well, I don't want to say especially. How is the rake structure in Vegas? Is it similar to Texas? Oh, no. Texas is probably better. That's right. I thought so, but I know Texas still seemed undoable. I think Texas would still be undoable. I think Texas would be more like you could just break even or make like a couple dollars or average like $4 an hour or something. It's a, I think it would be more doable. But, yeah, the rake structure in Vegas is even worse. Texas, it is a little bit better. But, like, it's one of those things that as, as much as I like tournaments – if you're averaging $25 an hour cash and it's in t- tournaments aren't really at least the daily small tournaments aren't really beatable in the long run should you even ever be playing these tournaments and here's the other thing we were talking about it i mean they're probably not beatable would it be just more fun to go like play at a free bar tournament and you know like have some drinks and just you know donk off like around there uh, what are your thoughts on both? Well, for a while, because, I mean, you you personally have had pretty good runs in tournaments in general, just kind of just over the long term, right? I have, but I think there's a crap load of variance being on my uh, side No, 100%, 100%. But uh, whenever you were had, I mean, you had one, you know, couple months where you had just the crazy run of daily tournaments and big tournaments. But, and I thought... And that was whenever you were living where you couldn't consistently play cash. Yeah. That would it be more profitable for you to play tournaments if you can only play, you know, once every two weeks in town and stuff like that. And we talked about it for a while. And then I think we ended up saying, I mean, we, my thought was that I thought they were beatable, but really as we've looked into it more is I don't know if the structure of the the tournament is too uh, flat to where like first place doesn't really, it just, it doesn't seem possible. It seems like you said that, I mean, most people bought in for $60 in this tournament and first place was 600. Yeah. I mean, that just doesn't seem doable. That's, I mean, that's not even counting the add on if you do. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you have to more than 10 X your money if you win. Right. Well, I think what we were talking about, like, Okay, like if you're doing if you're doing cash, you're looking to make consistent money, correct? Correct. 
like at the time I had a wife at a, ste- a stepdaughter a lot of new responsibilities I wasn't very close to poker rooms and I was profitable but I wasn't able to do it consistently so rather than average five hours a week which you're not even going to notice that money might as well take a shot at a tournament where you could make like you know five to ten grand I think that was kind of our th- thinking right I thought, yeah, I think, but I mean, I also thought that maybe you would be able to build a bankroll through that, but what did you think about that, the tournament structure, like the the prize pool structure, does that? Uh, I'm not sure the prize pool structure matters in That's the long what, run. Okay, so I, it doesn't matter, I guess because you're going to cash more if it's flatter, right? That's the whole thing? Yeah, exactly. Right, okay. So, I mean, like the... The structure wouldn't matter. I mean, the, the structure, don't get me wrong. Yes, it does matter, but it matters in the variance, not like the beatable over the long term. Gotcha. Okay. So that that was one thing I was thinking about. But, I mean, we know we paid the staff bonus too, right? There's a $10 staff bonus in this tournament. Um, but, yeah, I just I just don't see 10xing your money for first with that many, with 45 players in there profitable. Right. Well, and he, I will say, like these tournaments are much lower ranked. Like, like sixty dollars, ten dollars out of sixty, that is not that bad, really. But here's the thing: is that's really good, and it still would be unlikely beatable in the long term, right? Well, and then and the thing that people also don't talk about is um, you also have to, you don't have to, but most people tip whenever they win too. I was thinking about that at the table as well, because I'm like. Okay, the few times you win, I mean, that's basically just added rake, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're already being raked to where it's pretty close, well, and then you do win. Because, I mean, I'm not going to stiff the dealers. I mean, you could be, like, I guess a complete asshole and just be like, well, whatever. I mean, y'all get enough money out of this. But, I mean, I'm at least going to tip something. I mean, I'm going to tip, like, if I win 600, I'm already going to tip, like, 25 to, like, 20 to 40. Which is a pretty big amount over the long run. Well, especially if it's always awkward too. If like the person who comes in second, if you win six hundred, they win whatever four, and they tip like eighty bucks. No, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's very awkward for you to be like, "Here's a sweet twenty for you and the boys." Oh yeah, well I mean yeah, hundred percent. Because I mean it's like you know a lot of those players. I mean you're playing with a bunch of recreational, which would be the the pro of playing in a tournament like these tournaments. But the yeah, a, a recreational uh, player, he's not gonna, you know, realize this. Or they don't care, right? I mean, they you, they're not playing for that. They're yeah. playing to have a good time. They had a good time. They don't really care how much money they win, right? Which I will say, like, and I'm not bashing these tournaments at all. I think they have a they are a great way to play poker for kind of cheap. Because well, as a cheap hobby, yeah, right? Exactly. Not as a prop, not for profit, but it's good for to have a good time. Because we're gonna say like ninety percent of people don't are not profitable players. So if you're if you're doing that, what you should do is really look for the most play for your money, which these tournaments are just amazing for. But if you are profitable, you might be killing a lot of your profits if you are playing. I mean, like, it's fun and has a good time, but, I mean, there's probably got to be a limit. And, I mean, it'd probably be fine, except, like, me and you have been really stretched for time. We have not been able to play the poker that we normally do. 
and not certain that this is our best way to go about it. <laughs> Definitely not. Well, I'm just, if I was going to run how I ran, I'd rather just do it at the $60 tournament. <laughs> that <laughs> is true, yeah. You're pretty tilted. I was like, if anything, this is great, because if this was going to happen, rather do this at the uh, at the $60 tournament. Well, how annoying, though, that if the two guys were paying attention with the Ace-9 and the pocket deuces, which they wanted to fold, I would have just been all in versus the pocket nines for all my money and just had to double up. Yeah, 100%. I mean... But, I mean, you know, what do you always say? Like, it could have, you know, the edge could have worked your favor that time or whatever, and then I would have quadrupled up, and, you know, then it would have been great, too. So, yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, as long as it's positive EV in the long run, it does it ceases to matter what happens today, so... Right. I mean, that's the best way to look at it. The hardest way to look at it, but the best way to look at it. It's a great way to hit the road. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it was a good crowd. I will say I had a fun time. Uh, but like I say, if here's the other thing. I guess the other thing. Well, I'm trying to get the words out right. The uh, I was wondering if these would be not beatable. Are you just better off playing a bar game or something like that? Right. That's what we were talking about before. Right. Just completely. No. I mean. Are those bar games, I've never even played in the bar game, but are they 100% free or they're almost free? Well, yeah, they're like 100% free. It's like you you buy a drink or two. I, I will say it's probably worth it just to play in the nicer environment. Like some of them, like they range. Like I did some that were just a lot of fun, but usually those were the ones where I was playing consistently before I was really grinding poker. And you knew everybody. I'm not sure... Like, they get kind of sketchy. Like, it, there's been some that are really cool, really upscale. And then there's some that are, you kind of get a different atmosphere, a little sketchier atmosphere, maybe. Yeah, uh, I think, to me, they're basically the same thing. The $60 tournament, the free one. I mean... I mean, over the long haul, right? Probably. Yeah, and I mean, to me, I just, I know people like you and I, and if you're probably listening to this podcast, are better off just playing cash anyway. Yeah, anybody who's actually so into poker that they're listening to, like, multiple poker podcasts, they're probably good enough that they really do need to stick to kind of the cash games. It's just such a cool thought, right? But just be making, building a bankroll in tournaments, and you're just the tournament guy, and, you oh, know, I don't I mean, it was just... Sounds so much more fun. <laughs> yeah, it seems, you just got a bunch of trophies, and I mean, all sorts of stuff. You're always on Facebook posting pictures with you and two cards and all the money, but... Oh, I mean, yeah, poker tournaments, they are a thousand times more fun than cash games, right? <laughs> I mean, rather than, I mean, cash go there's a reason they call it grinding cash games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, so, but, I mean, I'm completely jumping subjects on you, but you and I both have been working just a ton, right? I mean, so much. I mean, just an unfun amount. But whenever you're working, or when it... For us, it's working. It can be any variation of time management. If Whenever you can't play as much as you normally would, whenever you're someone who normally grinds. I mean, we we normally play, what, 10 hours a week minimum? I mean, for a while, we were hitting 10 to 20. I mean, now yeah. we're lucky to get five right now. <laughs> so, yeah, if I get half an hour, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. But um, is there anything that you do on your time? I don't know if I want to call it time off because you're working, but your time off the felt? that you do to 
I mean, I know you're supposed to be studying, right? That that's the that's the right answer. You yeah. Know? Tell Bart and Jonathan Little, hey, we we study, but I mean, what are you really doing? Uh, I mean, not studying enough. I will say that. <laughs> uh, the like I say, it, everybody says the training sites are the best way to go. Uh, I've just found that the training sites sometimes are just so geared towards the higher stakes of poker. For me finding like two or three books because let's say this if you read one book of poker by an above average author and you applied only that you would be beating the game i believe I'm, yeah i'm sure it's a so well, it rather, depends on a book you read i mean i oh I, no it I, definitely like it has to be good <laughs> i mean it has to be you have to already know the basics and it has to be like the an adv- like kind of a little bit more advanced strategy. I mean, give us your top three or five books. Just, I mean, just off the top of your head. Oh, uh, the course by uh, uh, Ed Miller, uh, Jonathan Little's Noblem and Hold'em. I, it's his bigger book. I'm trying to remember the exact name. I mean, but you'll his, find his it. main No Limit Hold'em book, like the the thirty dollar one or whatever. <laughs> yeah, not the free one. <laughs> yeah, not the not the free one. It's a uh, Oh, man, I'm trying to... Uh, those are the ones I've been studying a lot. The other one has been uh, the Potlum at Omaha. Well, and there's been say, a ton more. I, I will say this. Anything by Ed Miller is about my favorite. I, I think he's the best cash game author. Oh, well, I was going to say, Jonathan Little has two books. I know he had just released a new one. So I was going to say either one of the books. So I know he had the one cash game when you're talking about, and then he released one that's even more in-depth. That the, the cash game I'm talking about was actually done quite a while before the two you're talking about. It's kind of a mix of cash game and strategy. Okay, but I would just yeah. yeah so I think yeah, I that mean, was, uh, any of those would be pretty good to go with this if you have a good handle on the basics. I feel like when I do that and just go over like a book I've read and kind of get the grasp of it, I feel like that helps me a little bit more than. I guess going over some of the videos and stuff because it's just more structured for me. What do you think about, I mean, this is always, to me, I think a pretty good go-to is watching a poker vlog at the stakes that you play and pausing it at the decision points and trying to see what you would do. I know a lot of people do do that. Like I know Jonathan Little talks about he would do that at the high stakes tournaments that were streamed and make notes whenever the pro, like the high, high tournament pro would do something different versus he would do. And then look into that spot further. I think we can do the same thing at like one, two, one, three. Cause vlogging is just, I mean, all just taken over. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. A hundred percent. That's those will be, and that's a way easier. That's the easiest method to study. I think cause the vlogging is way less dry than a lot of the other ways to look at poker and people kind of shit on it here and there but that being said it's still teaching you to like think through hands i mean i think listening to brad owen or jamin or you know like some of the top bloggers mariano uh i mean don't watch mariano he's playing way too high stakes yeah. i mean <laughs> I, I was like you're not playing in mariano's games okay that's solid <laughs> boy like the people that we play in, it's like Mariano, the, the 25, 50, 100 game. I like to take notes in that. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't be taking notes of that. I'm up a little bit more. Uh, maybe talk next gen, Ben Deach, Ryan DePaulo, you know, some of those guys. I think Ben Deach would be one of the top ones. Like, if you wanted, like, the most accurate way to beat a, like, 1-3 game, I mean, we crap on his, like, nitty style. I think that's literally the formula to win at 1-3, though. I mean, it's basically, like, the most extreme way to win, but he takes it to the, like, he's the most extreme version of that, of, like, just being able to crush playing that style. Yeah, but I think that's, it's perfect for what, like, oh, no, that 100%. We're that's what I'm saying. It's the yeah. best, best way to do it. Uh, so, yeah, I think, uh, that's really, uh, I think those are really good ways. So, vlogging, reading, uh, don't get me wrong, the training sites are really good, too. I just think, Everybody learns differently, and I think some of them are just not the best for one three one two. Uh, I think it's better suited to like two five five ten two two five at least, like and then five ten and uh. I mean, it seems like the training sites often are targeted toward like they talk about different people's ranges and what you're representing versus what they're representing. But the problem is the people that I normally play about are more concerned about getting their drink from the bartender than they are what a range is. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, with the, like the range is damn near infinite in like a Texas 1-3 game. So sitting there th- saying they can never have this hand when, I mean, 4-8 offsuit is very liable in a 15, you know, in a raised, you know, non-3-bet pot. Unless the, the, the pot is 3-bet, it seems like all ranges are available in Texas. Seems like a pretty good note to end the podcast on. <laughs> I mean, just, just know all ranges are available in Texas. I mean, it's a true note to end the podcast on. All right. Well, I guess on that note, we'll conclude the Texas Poker Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>